Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman. The animated series, our podcast, offers a deep dive into each episode in a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. And seated across the table from me, he is a doctor with clear Florence Nightingale syndrome, Mr. Jordan Hugh. And seated across the table from me, mudslides take me down well well i didn't know enough of the lyrics that's to fine. really do that that's song. fine <laughs> I, it's all all okay is it but actually that song is landslide, landslide. but i landslide. did mudslide get it get it because we i are am very funny hilarious we are talking about season one episode 52 mudslide uh this the mudslide bring it down, down. Uh, meow a little, a little uh, Fleetwood Mac for everyone today. Yeah. 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 Landslide. This Doesn't episode. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins do a cover of that? Yeah. That cover's bad. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's Billy Corrigan That's doing it. bad cover. Billy Corrigan That cover's thing. bad, and he should feel bad. I mean, at this point, Smashing Pumpkins have done so much. They've done so much. Take my love. Take it down. Round, 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 around. See my reflection in, in the mud-colored hills. There's a lot of mud in this episode. So much mud. A lot of mud and mudslide. This is season one, like I said, season one, episode 52. I believe meow, it's episode, meow. episode 56 on the uh, broadcast order. This episode is, we're starting to get to the end of season one. Uh, actually, I noticed when watching this episode on HBO Max, or Max, which Max, would, which makes so much sense. Yeah, so much sense. We're not going to try to sell this on, I don't know, one of the most popular brands in the history of brands. We're going to remove no, that. From we're going to riff on Cinemax, which most people know for softcore porn. Exactly. So while I was watching on Max, the episodes have started to add the Bugs Bunny at the front with the Warner Brothers oh, yeah, logo where it goes, bum, 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 yep. bum. So I noticed that. I thought for a second that means we were going to get the the second opening to Batman, which is far worse. Yeah, we're not and there yet. Cuts the Danny Elfman song out, but we're not there. Uh, this episode does have the actual normal opening and normal introduction to the series. Uh, and Mudslide, you know, it's the second appearance of Clayface in terms of story, right? Yes. This is like his second story. Obviously, Feet of Clay Part One and Two is you know contained to themselves, but it's the third episode that Clayface is in. The second episode where we see actual real Clayface. Yeah. And I feel that there's a reason why this episode happens so much later in the series because ultimately it just, it's not bad, but it just, it it has nothing in it that made the first Clayface episode, in my opinion, so compelling. Mm. I think it's missing out on a lot of that. And while it is good to see Clayface back... Ultimately, I feel like he has less to do. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think I feel differently about the episode okay. than you do, but not because like I'm right and you're wrong. I think I just like this episode. Um, I really like Mudslide. I think it deepens the tragedy of Matt Hagen. Okay. And I think I'll say this: it's it's because the episode is pretty much a sequel to Feet of Clay, even yeah. though it takes place much later. Um, it is, you know, by its very nature, derivative. Yeah. But I think the notes it plays, which are absolutely, you know, reprised notes from the first one, um, are still strong. Like, I still feel really bad for this guy. Um, and his sort of death at the end of this episode, that of course we know Clay- Clayface can't really die, I guess, uh, feels really shitty to me. Oh, well, um, it's, yes. It's a good episode. Like, I really... I forgot how emotionally invested I am in Clayface. Okay. Because it's not a character I like. Yeah. But I think Feet of Clay 1 and 2 are excellent episodes. So I'm like, okay, I'll re-up my investment. And you come in for Mudslide. It's not as strong as Feet of Clay, but I'm like, this is still really good. Um, I really like it a lot. I like Mudslide a lot. Yeah, I think Mudslide to me was missing something. Ultimately, I, I enjoy some of it. I, I think the, the death of Clayface, the quote-unquote death of Clayface at the end, you know... It was a real powerful moment in the series. It's one of the few moments in the series that they actually kind of allow a character to die. Yeah, um, sort of. Yeah, Sort of, you know, as much as Clayface can die. There are a couple things in this episode that I think are stupid. Um, I think he looks really dumb. <laughs> oh, when they give him the Oscar mold. Yeah. When he looks when like a, an when, award statue. When he, I understand that's why they did it, because he's an actor and all that stuff. Right. Like, that I get. Um, you know, but I think he looks stupid. 
But ultimately, <laughs> he it, does. He, he looks, does. He, does he looks look really dumb. His golden boy mold suit is dumb. Yeah, but the um the all the moments where we have like his deterioration like all over the episode, it's like it actually is very sad. Oh, it's incredibly sad. Clayface continues to be an incredibly tragic character, and while um yeah, obviously these don't quite this episode doesn't quite match up with Feet of Clay. Um, it is nice to see him back. I'll give you this. The actor pun stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Like when he keeps talking about like, oh, time to bring down the curtain on Batman. Oh, curtain going down, yeah. which are like basically his yeah. last words. Or um, he has a Stella moment in this mm-hmm. episode, Streetcar Named Desire. There's a Psycho reference yeah. uh, to Mrs. Bates. Stella there. Bates, right? Yeah, Stella. Her name is Stella, Stella Bates. Bates. Um, yeah. So that stuff doesn't work as well, but I, I still like... That they incorporate his life as a screen actor. Yeah. I still like the character. I think this is a good episode. I think I think it's it's um for me, I don't dislike it. I, I think it's just more of a middle of the pack kind of episode for that's, me. That's and I think that's where most people would put it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the what I also do find funny is that he has a lot of stage actor puns that he, he delivers. Does. He's, clearly and a he's, film actor, he's a yeah. film actor. But ultimately, I think the episode is incredibly well animated. Uh, I believe it's... I, f- I think it's Studio Junio did this one. Okay. Um, they're, an, they're a Japanese uh, uh, animator. Uh, I think Batman looks really good. I think they have some really good moments. Obviously, you need Clayface to work well. Uh, I think what also interests me about Clayface as a character is that he presents something to Batman that not a lot of other villains can, and it's the fact that he is such a physical threat. Yeah. Where we don't see a lot of physical threats with Batman in the series in general. So Clayface kind of being this physical threat that almost kills Batman is also very compelling. And I think there are certain moments in this episode that really showcase that sometimes Batman gets in over his head physically, right. even when he's not... And I, I don't want to jump ahead to the next episode, but when it's called, you know, uh, paging the crime doctor, right? <laughs> you know, Lord. which is both a terrible name and, and whatever... You know, in that episode, Batman is injured yeah, and has problems with physical stuff. But in this episode, it's just, you know, he's just overpowered by this kind of um, mush, mush man, this yeah. mud man. There are, there are basically four villains that consistently physically overwhelm Batman. You have Clayface, Killer Croc, Bane, and Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And outside of those four, he's usually at level or honestly far superior physically to whoever he's fighting. Yeah. Those four are going to always be a really consistent physical threat to him. We sometimes have versions of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certainly versions of Poison Ivy and what she can do that are physically threatening for Batman. But yeah. he knows when he's dealing with Clayface, like, this is a monster who is probably ten times my strength. This is a problem. What's interesting in this episode is that despite the fact that Clayface could or probably is trying to slaughter him the entire time, Batman is still able to show compassion to this thing that basically is throwing mallet hammers and spike ball chains at him. Oh, absolutely. And also Clayface continues to be a character that is exhausted by his own power, which we don't see on this show frequently. Yeah, this episode. Like in this episode, we, we do see that. We talk about that in Feet of Clay where him keeping form. It's like like flexing a muscle. It's like, yeah, flexing or tensing a muscle. And... Obviously, this is a lot of work for him, especially now that he's kind of falling apart based sure. on the effects of the of the whatever, um, the whatever the bonding agent or whatever it was they used on him to turn him into Clayface. You know, oh, renew you, renew yeah. you, and how it's kind of you know it's kind of losing its its um its ability to stay together on a molecular level. Yeah, I guess whatever that stuff would have been would have yeah. failed anyway. Yes, um, yeah, it seems like over time. You know, why, if you're using Renew You, right, even if it did work, if it was a product that was built to be something you had to continuously buy, you know, it would start, stop working as well, but it's already changed the composition of his whole body. So that stuff is really cool. Uh, I think the villain kind of acting out of desperation here is really good. I think, you know, the problem with Clayface is that he's a character that, you know, does command compassion for sure. And that's a great thing about him. I, I felt like we could have used a little bit more time with him in this episode. I, agree. I feel like, you know, his episodes probably work better when they're two parters. I agree. Because again. there's so much that Clayface can represent and we need to see more of how miserable and why Hagen is miserable, you know? Um, so I like what they do here. They give us a, a bit of, you know, a bit of it. But ultimately, I think more time with Clayface would have done this episode a little bit better. I agree. And I think they've used Clayface sparingly with good purpose. Because there's really only two things you can do with Clayface. And he does them both in this episode. 
The two things you do with Clayface is that, okay, one, he's this horrible mud man who mm-hmm. is trying to be human again. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you could do with Clayface. Yeah. The second thing you do with him is that he no longer cares that he's a monster and he's just going to have a great time with doing that. Yeah. We get flashes of that, and he does that certainly for a bit in this episode to yeah. his peril, but we never really graduate into that. No. If you read him in the comics, he, there are certainly comic books where Clayface is just like, nope, having a great time being Clayface, transforming into other people, and then, oops, look, my hand is a giant hammer. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that's more fun. That's more Sandman. Yes. Right? Um, but Clayface, the animated series, for whatever reason, really leans into the tragedy of this guy being basically a failed experiment yeah. and just totally a monster. He is, uh, you know why I think this episode's a little weaker? He's wrestling way less with his humanity in this episode. Yeah. In Feet of Clay, he's still really trying to be Matt Hagen. Yeah. In Mudslide, it's kind of like, I remember what Matt Hagen was, and I guess that was sort of me, but I, I, I'm trying to get there, but I barely remember what he was like as a person. It's almost more just like about a look. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's missing a certain human element, and I don't think Dr. Stella Bates really helps that. No, it's almost like Dr. Stella Bates is like, not only can this help you, like the, the MP40 um, <laughs> isotope, whatever, uh, mutagen thing that they're, they're searching for in this episode and eventually obtain, you know, the whole point of getting that, she says, you know, you can become even stronger. So, like... I don't, is she just feeding into the fact that she's kind of in love with Matt Hagen and Clayface as this thing? She's got this Florence Nightingale effect going on where she's, you know, in love with the, her patient. Right, um, exactly. And we see that paralleled in the movie that she's watching um, starring Matt Hagen. So I find that all very interesting how that all kind of comes together. Yeah. I and, just, I think she's just not as good as, uh, if you remember his friend Teddy Lupus yeah. from the last episode. He was a more compassionate foil. Yeah to him than this woman because this woman has almost like the the misery like obsession with him yeah but it's not like that's it feels hollow yeah well ultimately like i said it's florence nightingale effect you know for those of you who aren't aware that's when you know a healthcare provider falls in love with uh their patient um we see this uh very very presently in batman with uh, Harley Quinn and the Joker while she's his psychiatrist she falls in love with him if right. you're not aware of what uh, Falling Nightingale effect is but I do feel that our audience probably knows that if the listener isn't aware of the Harley Quinn Joker relationship we can't help them no we can't at this point at this, at point, this we point, can't point we can't help them uh, I do think that Clayface though is a terrifying villain I think this still works it's like a horror story yeah I think he's, he's, he's very ugly and I'm very excited to see how Clayface is handled in the future, whether it's in the movies or in, in more comic books. I don't think we're ever going to get him. Yeah. Because everyone that takes Batman seems to be doing like a super realistic approach, and Clayface is like on the total opposite side of that. The only way he works is if they go to the original version of Clayface where he just has this mask that changes. They should not do that. I think that would be bad. Then he's just shitty chameleon. Yeah, and they already did a murder mystery in the last episode, last movie right. for the Batman. I just, um, with Matt Reeves, and look, we love the Batman, we say it all the time, he's going for like a hyper-realistic thing, like no one is going to have magical powers no, or doesn't seem that way. anything like that. They're not doing Clayface, and if they are, they can't do this Clayface. No, it'll um, be weird. It's a shame, because be a lot of the characters I like are the characters that have the weird powers. Yeah, you know, I think they were. Zack Snyder would have done Clayface like this. Yeah. But we don't have Zack anymore, and that's, you know, it's a different different ballgame. Yeah, we're dealing with a totally different DCU right now. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like Blue Beetle's also kind of in trouble uh, financially. Yeah, that's not going to work. And that's a problem because they wanted that to be the jumping off point for the new DCU. Which is, I don't know why you would jump off with that character. I mean, I it's don't... not even the standard version of that character. No, it's the more modern version of Blue Beetle for sure. But like not generally known by like the general public? Known by a Honestly, subsection of comic book readers, maybe? Dude, I don't even think it's that. I, the gen I, pop doesn't even know who Blue Beetle that's, is. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. So who is Blue Beetle? Okay, he's kind of like uh, a budget... Budget Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. kind of. And I'm not talking about the Jaime Reyes version, which is in the movie. No, in general. I'm talking about in general. He's yeah. like a budget Iron Man. He's more of a joke character. Anyone who knows that character pretty much probably knows him in conjunction with Blue Booster Gold. And I'm offended because there's been no Beetleborgs movie. No, nah, no Big Bad Beetleborgs. Big Bad Beetleborgs. Remember when everyone needed their Power Rangers? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? So you had Big Bad Beetleborgs. You had <laughs> VR Troopers. You, you had, had the tattooed s- teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Yes. And you had Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Yeah. Which um, none of them were good. 
Tattooed teenage. Bum, bum, bum. So bad. That was a time. That was a the time. The early 90s was a time. Was a time. You know, the early and mid 90s were certainly a time. The late 90s was also a time, but it was a different time. They're very different times. Very That's different. That's a very split decade. There's culturally. definitely, there's definitely like the new metal late 90s, which kind of bleeds into the early 2000s in, time, yeah. in terms of culture. And then you have like that early 90s kind of like Fox Kids I know. generation of everything. Yeah, not to be a downer, but like late 90s kind of depresses me a little bit. I think because, and this is such a weird, broad thing to say, I think the millennium was just a real bummer. Yeah. I th- think people were just expecting something else, and like there was a lot of hype to get up to that, and it seemed like we were building to a point culturally yeah. in media, yeah. in politics, in everything, and then 2000 happens, it's kind of like, eh. It's not the future. It's not the future. It's the shittier present. Yep. Everything gets a little worse, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, and then 2001 happens and totally changes our culture Well, forever. that's kind of what I didn't With want 9/11. to talk about. That's what but, I, mean. I yeah. mean. But that's the thing. I mean, you have to kind of talk about that when right. you're talking about the cultural generation. Right, right, right. There's a reason why... You it was know, just kind of like the millennium's here, and oh, 9-11. 9-11, and, yeah. and it kind of kind of puts a, a dark cloud, you know, over over everything. Like yeah. if you look at if you look at media and culture, uh, pre nine eleven and post nine eleven, like even Spider Man, a movie that comes out in two thousand two, still kind of has like that pre nine eleven feel. Obviously, they changed some things about it because you know Spider Man isn't going to web up a helicopter in between the twin towers anymore. Totally, I will say that I think Spider Man three is. Absolutely a post 9-11. Oh, absolutely. I think Spider-Man 2 has bits and pieces of it, but that's when we start getting like the darker and grittier and more serious James Bond movies that are based off... 100%. Based off, more based off of stuff like uh, the Bourne movies. And then we've got Spider-Man 3 that's way darker. The X-Men start to get a little darker. We get Batman Begins, which is a more gritty, realistic take on stuff. You know, that's kind of playing into, you know, we. it's almost like, you know, we weren't allowing ourselves to have like these bright, colored superheroes in movies anymore and I right. understand it. I'm not this isn't criticism. I get it. We're we're all products of the culture that we were kind of raised in. And then the MCU kind of changes that, right? 22 2008 rolls around, we get Iron Man and it's kind of like superhero movies can be fun and stupid again. And then they overstay their welcome Ugh, now. And now we're yeah. dealing with the diminishing returns of the MCU and you know we're in a situation now where the cultural generation is so confused. What do people want? What do they want to see? The pandemic doesn't help that. That's partially what kind of motivated us to do this podcast. Yeah. Was honestly like uh, I guess it's every generation, but I'm just talking about millennials right now. Yeah. Millennials and Gen Xers, especially Gen yeah. Xers listening at home, um, we're very motivated by nostalgia yep. these days, yep. and the the pieces of nostalgia we're looking at really closely the mid and late 80s and the early and mid 90s there is a lot of want there because it was when a lot of us were either kids or we were growing up or we were young and a lot of people are specifically revisiting batman the animated series this is not something that's particularly i think a culturally relevant piece now but it was a time when the art was better yes (laughs) in some way right and it wasn't reactionary to something worse that came later yeah you know uh, I know that's really oversimplifying it. It's a reductive way to speak about it. But I think one of the reasons I was excited to do this podcast was, wow, I'm excited to cover Batman with my best friend on a podcast yeah. and also to relive like a pure part of my childhood that was not affected by the shit that came later. Yeah. You know, I also feel like, you know, and also Avengers and MCU and all that stuff, like they were great at the time. And now I look back and try to watch them. Some still hold up. But, like yeah. a lot of them are really, they almost read like bland, like yeah. propaganda films. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, listen, they were the cultural thing to talk about at the moment, right? And I'm not going to say that I didn't have an, an immense amount of fun keeping up with the with the MCU for, you know, its first, what, uh, 10 to 12 years, 10 oh, to listen, 11 we, years. We, we, I saw we every single movie in the theater. MCU people, and in many ways we still are. Yeah, I mean, listen, to my, but also for me, it's like if you were to ask me, hey, Mike, what are your favorite MCU films? It's like... Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming or whatever, whichever, whichever the Spider-Man Actually, movies. You're being really fair because a lot of those are newer in yeah. some ways. Yeah, you know? but also they're also kind of... Off the beaten path a little. Anti-MCU yeah. films to I a degree, right? They're, yeah, kind of, right? they're kind of... Uh, they're kind of... You know, well, Ragnarok built... is outright a deconstruction. Yes, like yes. weird. Film. Yeah, and it's absolutely on purpose... Uh, anticlimactic 100% and Guardians to your credit that's also billed as like 
we're not the Avengers. Yes, like, that's and it's like not even a superhero thing. movie, really. It's a sci-fi movie. Right. And then Spider-Man, you just love Spider-Man, so that's fine. Spider-Man, I, I, I like Spider-Man a lot, but it's one of those things where it's like, we're, we're, we're going back and we're watching this stuff, and you know, everyone thinks the stuff they grew up with is, is better than what's out now. And I just mean to say that I think Batman the Animated Series, it has like a certain sincerity. Yeah. It's not trying to tie into a particular universe. No. Superman's not flying in no. yet. Um, you know, there's there's just something to it where it was just like, these people are making this show because they think it's great and they have mm -hmm. something important mm -hmm. to say and they're not trying to... Yes, they're selling toys, but they're not trying to sell like a message, like the message of a brand, of a, well, of a universe. They're not waving a flag. Well, Do you know what I mean? It's an identity thing, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, way, the way I feel that a lot of culture works now in terms of pop culture and entertainment media, it's almost like you wear, it's almost like we're all NASCAR drivers. And, How so? Okay, so... Oh, it, oh, with like wearing the shit and put it on your car. Or, Rust, or so Rusties. Yeah, or so or soccer <laughs> players, right? Or, or Dynaco. Or, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> when you look at like a NASCAR racer's car, you look at their jumpsuit, or you look at a soccer player's uniform, it's usually loaded up with Ads. with brands. Yeah, brand with brands space, that are yeah. supporting the team and supporting the car. And, you know, for so for a while, you know, in this current environment, we kind of wear our brands. Like, it's almost like the brands you follow tied into your identity, whether you're a Marvel guy, right? You're a Marvel guy. You can, you're a Marvel guy, and you also, there's also people, it's like, you can be a Marvel guy, but you can't be a DC guy uh, in terms of movies or a culture or whatever. Or, like, you're, you're a Sony pony, and you'll never touch an Xbox. It's weird. There's almost like a console wars mentality uh, to pretty much, like, all the stuff that there is, but we tie these brands and these characters into who we are as people now that it sometimes is difficult as someone who enjoys entertainment culture to like say, all right, I'm kind of done with this because it feels like you're killing a piece of your identity. And I think that happens for a lot of us who were MCU people for a very, very long time. I haven't seen all of the new movies. Like I haven't seen Eternals yet. You know, I haven't seen a couple of the other ones. I'm not sure if I'm going to see all no, of them. I might either. just see the ones I'm interested in. Like I used to follow the comic books I wanted to follow yeah. and I didn't care what was going on in the, you know, West Coast Avengers. You know, I was reading Spider-Man and I was reading the X-Men and that's all I was reading and maybe that's all the movies I'll see now. And that's why I think especially the DCEU movies, the, the pre-James Gunn DC Universe Cinematic Universe films felt so hollow because it was yeah. just like, not only are we not sincere, we're basically just copying the Marvel model and hoping for some of that Marvel money. Yeah, we're copying the Marvel model. They made money, but at the same time, they're copying the Mar Marvel model in a way that they were like, we're going to copy what Marvel did, but instead of being fun and relatable, we're just going to make everything really macho and really beefy yeah. and really, for lack of a better word, thick. Because well, it was these Zach's, big dude, yeah. It, it was Zack Snyder's vision for it, which was just look at Batman the animated series. Let's take yeah. it back to yeah, our yeah, show yeah. for a second. You know, we like this show because it's fun. Yeah, it's colorful. Yeah. The darkness is contrast. You know, uh, you know, Batman's a dark character. Gotham's a dark place. But a lot of these characters are bright and colorful. Yeah, the villains especially. Batman here is compassionate. Yeah. He's not lethal, yeah. uh, and it's a singular story. It's not a connected universe. Everything in the modern DC cinematic universe is basically the opposite of yeah. what I just said. Yeah. Um, maybe you have a colorful hero, unless it's Batman, but everything is dark and gritty, especially the villains. Um, there's no sense of fun. There's not really, really a sense of radical yeah. compassion. That's not the emphasis. Yeah. The emphasis seems to be cool. Yeah. Right? Um, and they, they kind of course corrected too late, because they started to get there with Wonder Woman 1984 and Shazam and some of these movies, but... That wasn't the flavor initially, and then it felt weird later. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a weird follow-up. But I hope the DCU is able to kind of stick the landing, and I hope whatever Marvel's doing um, gets a little bit more compelling. But at this point, if I'm a company like Sony, it's like, you know, I was, I was thinking about it the other day. It's like we keep saying, oh, man, you know, Sony really needs Marvel to make these Spider-Man movies. I don't think they do anymore. I think the MCU needs Spider-Man way more than Spider-Man needs the MCU at this point. I think they need to take a break and, and figure out what they're doing. Figure out what they're doing and I think they need the films to get smaller and I don't think we need, like, I like Kang. I think Kang's good. Uh, I don't like Kang. In the, in the comic books, I think he's an interesting Oh, villain. in comics, I'm sorry. Yes, 100% yeah. in the comics yeah. he's interesting. But I, I think, think Kang, the interpretation in film and television has been really bad. Yeah, I forget 
And I, th- I don't mind that actor. I just don't like no, no, the, no, the, yeah, the yeah. ideas for I, him. I know he's got some personal life stuff going on, but yeah. I think he's not a bad pick for no, Kang. No, he's a good actor. He's I just, a great, I fantastic don't, actor. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and also at this, I forget what his motivations were in Quantumania. Well, exactly. And my thing too with it was that like, my my I was like, Kang will work as an Avengers villain if, and I might be wrong in this because this might actually be his motivation. If his motivation is to essentially... To stop the Avengers and reset the timeline for all the stuff they screwed up in Endgame. Because by playing with time, you screw up the timeline. I don't know if that's what he's doing in these movies. And that makes... I does, it, it's just hard to kind of wrap my head around what they're doing with the character. But anyway, Batman. Anyway, uh, Batman, <laughs> Batman the Animated Series is a perfect capsule of what was... Of some of the great stuff of the 1990s. You want to talk about some IMDb trivia? I do. I, the last thing oh, I want to say... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. no I'm just going to just to wrap up what I was saying yeah, the reason why it relates that that whole discussion relates to this series is one of the reasons it's a joy to cover this series is because you're dealing with a level of craftsmanship and thoughtfulness that I think does not go into these projects anymore yeah or at least not to the degree that this did right um, I think one of the reasons Matt Reeves is successful is because he is separate yeah and I think one of the reasons this is successful is because it is separate yeah it wasn't trying to make like this big DCU animated universe no and I, I think this was just they really were looking at individual episodes and saying how do I tell this great yeah. story not how do I tell eight great stories at the same time and plant seeds plant yeah. seeds and and obviously you do start to get more of the toyetic kind of shiny veneer on what you know, Tim and Deanie are doing when you get past Batman, right? By the time we get to like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, those are good shows. Those are very good shows, but there mm, is well, more of the... Those are good shows. Yeah. These were great. Yeah. And yeah. and we can have more talks about that because I think yeah. we'll, we'll get to covering more of that stuff later. And I, I really like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, but They're they, fine. Are, they are very much shiny Warner Brothers corporate stamp kind of they're fine they have a lot of oversight yeah i feel like a lot of people are in that room yeah 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 they have a lot of stuff going on there but let's go to some imdb trivia yeah according to bruce tim this makes perfect sense the reason they did not use clayface much is because he was too expensive to animate yeah obviously Mm -hmm. he has to do a lot and we uh as well too difficult to come up with a good story for so eric wadomsky came up with the idea for this because fans kept reaching out about Another, doing another Clayface episode. Sure. After Feet of Clay came out almost a year before this, they were pretty much pushing them to be like, we want more Clayface, we want to see more Clayface. Um, this version of Clayface is kind of an amalgamation of all the Clayfaces. Yeah, he's he's like a super combo, this, yeah, this version. Like the first one, you know, the acting profession... Yeah, was, so the first one's the actor, but then the second one has all the clay powers. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third one is Preston Payne. And in this story, Matt Hagen and Clayface, they wear a special suit to hold their body together. And in the comics, Preston Payne, Clayface, had to wear an exoskeleton suit to contain his collapsing flesh. So they're kind of borrowing <laughs> from... It's You know what? It makes Gross. more sense for a cartoon. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, this episode also contains several references to movie making industry, um, given that Clayface's background is an actor. Obviously, Stella's surname is Bates, as we would know from uh, Psycho and Norman Bates, to the point where like even... Stella Bates, uh, I believe she has sold a motel. Yeah, they really this. reach for that one for it's, no reason. It's a real reach. Her name is Stella, um, so that streetcar name desire, streetcar yeah. name desire, so that we can give you know Clayface kind of his Brando moment. And historically, uh, Ron Perlman was friends with Ma- Marlon Brando. Oh, I think I didn't know he that. was. I think Marlon Brando was like a mentor. Oh, that makes to, sense considering. To, yeah. Ron Perlman's general being. Pretty much everything about Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah. He was actually very close to, uh, allegedly from what I've heard in interviews and read, um, Ron Perlman was actually close to Marlon Brando. Mar- I would Marlon actually Brando be surprised like a, if Ron Perlman had not played Stanley Kowalski at some point, like I in would, a stage production. I would assume Desire, yeah. that he had to have. It's definitely a type. Just like when uh, you guys on the Sopranos podcast talk about how James Gandolfini he was a wonderful Stanley. Played Stanley. Yeah. Stanley. I'm like, that's that's kind of perfect. Yeah, you need a big, intimidating physical personality yeah. that has like a raw animal magnetism to him, and Ron Perlman fits that bill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the movie that Stella watches, which Alfred later identifies as the Dark Interlude, has a plot that is very similar to that of Dark Victory, which is also the name of a that's Batman another Batman series. thing. Yeah, with oh. another. Uh, convalescing patient yes. in Harvey Dent. Yes, yeah. Harvey Dent. Also, when the Dark Interlude finishes, the Warner Brothers logo is shown with the words <laughs> "The End," which I love. Without which any credits, they're allowed to do. It's yes, Warner's. Yes, 
which was how film studios ended their films during the golden age of Hollywood. During during the final confrontation, Clayface uses several movie uh, related terms such as you've upstaged me for the last time time to bring down the curtain time for your final bow which like we said before these are all stage puns for a film actor which is weird but a, it is what it is and Clayface also says curtain is going down uh, just before his death so that's all kind of part of that and the name of the isotope MP40 is likely a reference to the MP40 machine gun a weapon first used in World War II and that has since been used in numerous war films and the machine that Stella uses to place Clayface in his plastic coating vaguely remembers, re- resembles the table where Victor Frankenstein creates his creature as seen in Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. One of the most, from what I gather, one of the most, uh, one of the movies that is considered to be one of the most important films ever made, especially yeah. for the horror genre. Right, super iconic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Clayface refuses Batman's help to become normal again. Uh, yet, by stealing the MP40 canister from Wayne Biomedical, he is unknowing, uh, unknowingly accepting Batman's aid. Yeah. Because that's probably what Bruce Wayne would have used to make him back to normal. Yeah, yeah. there's a moment in this episode we'll talk about where it's just like Batman's offering to help him. It's very early in the episode. I'm like, just take his fucking help. I don't get what... Maybe he just feels like he can't trust Batman. Uh, makes no sense to me, but no, okay, No sure. sense at all, but I think that's probably it. All right, so you, re- you got anything before we dive in? No, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we get the title card, A Broken Tragedy Mask, and instead of there being a comedy mask, we see Clayface's shadow, where the comedy mask should be. Uh, both masks me- represent tragedy. Yeah. And... Yeah, if, if we look back at the um, the Feet of Clay title card, yep. the original, yep. we had both the comedy and the tragedy mask, though the comedy mask was it had like a fracture. Yeah. Um, so this is like, this title card's actually a sequel to the other title yeah. card, which is fucking wild to me. That's like the first time we have ever sequelized title cards. And this is kind of one of the first times we actually have kind of like a direct sequel to an episode. Except very for like little. per chance to dream. Right. Very little we've had this. Mm-hmm. We've only had them a, a couple times where it feels like, oh, this is the direct follow-up of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so the story here is by Alan Burnett, teleplay by Steve Perry, and directed by Eric Radomski. One of those things where we have a story and a teleplay. So yeah. here we go. We pan to a tower. The security guard is going to check the parking lot. We're in the uh, front office of the tower now. And checks in with the young guard working at the front desk. He tells the young guard to stay awake. And the young kid replies, it's not past my bedtime, old man. Ha, ha, ha. The older guard goes outside <laughs> in the parking lot. As, and as he exits our frame, we actually see a copy of him enter the frame, uh, making their way towards the tower, which we can assume is Clayface. Yeah, I like that they established the Clayface. You know, you can turn into anybody. It's something that the audience, I guess, may have forgotten. But I also thought this was almost a little bit of an unnecessary step because this is a being that can just pour himself through walls. But okay. Yeah, I don't know why you needed to do the disguise well, act. It's fun. But it's fun. It also gives your your audience, it makes your audience think for a second like, oh, what's that? Oh, maybe it's Clayface. Exactly. You have the intrigue for the rest of the it's episode. Mystery. Like, am I seeing what I'm seeing for real? And that happens a couple of times in this episode. Yeah. So it really helps. We're back in the building and the Clayface version of the guard walks in and he kind of sneaks up on the young guard. I think he's reading comic books at the uh, at the desk. And Clayface says that he needs to check Mr. Tarnover's office. And uh, he enters the elevator and we start to see him sweat as the elevator doors close, uh, hinting back to the whole, it's like tensing a muscle uh, right. line from Feet of Clay. Like I he's mean, tired. Yeah, I encourage the listeners to actually like, like, like tense your bicep or something yeah. and just see how long you can hold that before that... It becomes an annoyance yeah. to you and then before you just can't hold it yeah, anymore. Not very long. Well, yeah, not not too long and it, it's painful. And yeah. and we see the strain on him is like it's really, really a strain. And and once we find out that he's falling apart, we understand that it's even harder. It's yeah. he's focusing so much energy to stay together and to keep his form. Right. It was hard for him at full power. Yes. It was hard and now that he's not at full power, it's even worse. Um the guard is then looking at the security camera footage and he sees the parking lot and he sees the security guard that left. And he's like, what the heck is going on? So he gets up to check, and then knowing something's up, he hits the silent alarm. Yeah, to his credit, he immediately hits that alarm. Yeah, he does a good job there. Yeah, he does. We cut to I, Bat- Imagine that, a security guard on this show actually doing their job. Yeah, almost never. We cut to Batman in the Batmobile. Uh, Batman is on the video phone with Alfred, and he comments that he's going to have an early night for once. Hey. And that he's actually going to get to eat dinner. That's right. Alfred is super excited because he just finished dinner. It's about midnight, so I guess Batman <laughs> eats real late. Well, yeah. And then as soon as Alfred says that dinner is ready, Batman in the Batmobile 
gets his alarm from the bank. He also mentions being on patrol, so that goes into your argument that he does have he has like he has like hotspots, hotspots and hotspots and routes that he takes. Um, and it looks like Batman won't be home early after all. I think Alfred has a line. Yeah, I think <laughs> Something he says... Like, Don't take this personally, Master Wayne, but your goose is cooked. I guess he was making him a goose. It looked like a goose. It looked like a big old real good. goose. I've never eaten goose, but I gather it's probably somewhere between duck and chicken. Uh, it's probably good. It's probably fine. It's probably not bad at all. Probably good. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into the turducken. I don't know if I want to have a... I don't want turducken. No, I don't want to take chick- any of the individual pieces of the turducken. Yeah. I don't want the whole thing to eat. No, 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 no thanks. A luxury I do not desire. No, no. And you got to deep fry the turducken, I think, to make it work right. Yeah, I'm just no, like, I'm, good. I'm not burning down my house deep frying a turkey. No. Oh, do you know like a shocking number of people like burn down their homes on Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's because... Because people never cook like that all year and then suddenly they do it and they don't know how. True. And the thing with the the burning down of their houses, it's usually with a deep fried turkey. Down the house. Uh, it's yeah, usually right. with a deep fried turkey because you're not supposed to do that inside. Right. And you're not supposed to do that near your house because what a lot of people <laughs> right. do is they stick the deep fried turkey into the deep fryer frozen, which is also what you're not supposed right. to do. And the gases from the turkey as it thaws out. Oh boy. Yeah. Combine with the gases and the oil and it erupts and burns your house down. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not Don't good. do it. Just... Throw it's your a turkey bad out. idea. Yeah, because most turkeys are, are sold frozen, so because you buy them a few days before Thanksgiving, poultry goes bad in the fridge after about three days. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Clayface is opening the safe, and he's grabbing a bunch of cash. The younger guard <laughs> sees him do this, and he pulls a gun on him, and he sells him to step away from the safe because he's cocked. He's cocked. Um, and, and Clayface emerges, as we see in the... The, the portrait, he he emerges as Mr. Tarnover. Right. And he berates this young guard who starts to like, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Tarnover. But then he's like, what happened to your accent? So I imagine that it's, this guy's... It's good. Yeah. The, the script was one step ahead of me. I was like, how does he know what this guy sounds like? And then it's like the first thing they address. I was yeah. like, that's good writing. But like if Clayface is such a good actor that he can mimic other people's accents a lot, you would look at Mr. Tarnover. I don't think he's supposed to sound like that. Maybe I don't think he knows Tarnower. I think yeah. he like what would you even guess? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, to me, he's got he's got the Mister. He got the what the uh, Uncle Moneybags kind of look. Well, Uncle Pennybags. English accent, a German accent. Oh, it could be either uh, or. There's a lot going could on. Could be there. Scottish. Tarnower. I don't even know what that is. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah. So Clayface then just was like, yeah, he totally just completely reveals himself and he hits the guard with some like clay mud in the mouth he loves doing that move does that a lot it's he the guard falls down it's so gross yeah it's yeah yeah it's incredibly gross uh the guard falls down and we see batman kick his way into the into the room clayface then turns into the guard and points out the thief who is the guard on the floor batman goes to inspect uh the guy on the floor but then we hear a chain rattle as batman turns around he gets hit with a giant ball and chain attack from clayface yeah Clayface then reabsorbs his weapon and he begins to like cackle and laugh at Batman with a good Ron Perlman like yeah. evil laugh. We do notice the attack is kind of sloppy though. It's messy, it right? It does not really fully form the ball and chain. Mm-hmm. It's like already like kind of loose. It's goop. It's goop. It's like Batman's getting hit with some goop. Yeah. And then uh, Batman, he gets, he tries to get up as, as uh, Clayface turns to him and he turns his hand into an axe to kill Batman, but then the clock hits midnight. And when the clock hits midnight, Clayface throws himself out of the window. He's exhausted, and then he splats against the sidewalk. Yeah. And you're just, you're, the animation is so good, you're really seeing the exertion from Clayface. Yeah, the way like he's like, animated, it's like... like I don't know if this guy's making it. <laughs> yeah, funny. it's like, did he kill himself? Yeah. Clayface then reforms uh, on the sidewalk to walk, to walk away, but he's clearly in some immense amount of pain. Batman throws an exploding batarang as Clayface continues to run away. Batman easily catches up, and he calls out to Hagen saying that he offered to help him become human again, but Clayface refuses Batman's help and he just continues to run away. It's so mind-blowing to me. It's just like, do you, why do you care who is helping you? If Batman can make you human again, just take the help. Maybe he's afraid that if Batman turns him human again, he's going to jail. But but who cares? You're, the alternative is you're a fucking monster? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Would, it wouldn't be me, put no, it that way. No, it's like, uh, you know, take your chances in court. Obviously, they, they fail all the time in Gotham with, you, you know, know go to bad jail. evidence. Go to jail. You're going to get out in two seconds. It's yeah. Gotham. Yeah, it's Gotham. They just throw him right back out on the street. Um, when Batman gets close, Clayface goes to smash Batman with a hammer, but he misses him completely. And then Batman comments that Hagen has 
is dealing with some degree of a lack of speed. And as Clayface goes to pick up a trash can, he totally collapses. And Batman closes in on Clayface, but then a car rolls up and Batman gets out of the way. He's narrowly missed. The woman who's driving the car calls out to Hagen, Matthew, get in! Clayface regains his form and then gets in the car, leaving a lot of his goop behind at the scene. And then we can see that the clay is like fizzing. It's kind of gross. I got to say this. You got to be feeling bad for yourself if you're a nerd. Nerd with no girlfriend watching this episode. You're like, fucking Clayface got a girlfriend? Clayface, I can't dude. get a girlfriend? Clayface, man. Clay, look at him. I'm saying. And apparently he doesn't smell very good, so... No, yeah, that was another thing. Later in this episode, you figure out, like, this guy smells like shit. Yeah, he smells like, too- Oh, my God. Well, maybe, you know... Mm. He's got a girl. Yeah. You know what? He can, like, turn himself into different things, so... Maybe he's uh, appealing to her uh, feminine wiles, if you know what I mean. I mean, she is also watching a movie that pretty much mimics this episode, so... Mm-hmm. She clearly likes it. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to a lab on a cliff. Another, How many of these are there? There's too many cliffs. How many in labs Gotham's. on cliffs do we have? So first of all, we have we have the, the oh, we can't even name them all, Mike. No, we I, I'm pretty sure we, we have the castle from Off Balance. Fine. We have whatever that weird island was with uh, with the cat people. With the cat people. We have Heart of Steel. We have Heart of Steel. We have this one. We're leaving. We I think Wayne, Cat in the Claw had cat one. Cat in the Claw had I, one. I, Wayne Manor. There's a lot Wayne of Manor's castles on, a hill. on cliffs near Gotham. Yeah, exactly. There's too many cliffs. Too many cliffs, too many laboratories. Makes no sense. I want to talk to a realtor. <laughs> yes. Uh, we see that the woman who was driving the car, she's now in a lab coat. And she's helping Clayface into some kind of like mold machine. He calls her <laughs> Stella. And she assures him that it'll be okay and that she'll take care of him. She operates some machinery that puts Clayface into some kind of like panini press. <laughs> it is a panini press <laughs> right it's like she's making a uh, she's like making a toasted sandwich um and then she attaches some piping to his neck and to his head which fills him with some red liquid yeah and then we real, see his, the animation's not great there's it's, like it's and he glows. and then he he his eyes open and he kind of looks like an oscar award yes um it's really stupid that's looking. clearly the joke but it's yeah. it is stupid it's stupid looking yeah. he kind of looks like I, i'm gonna I'll, i was gonna save this for later but he kind of looks like a mix between like the blockheads from Gumby and an Oscar statue. And like maybe the Molten Man. Yeah, but the Molten Man is also bad. Yeah. I don't like the Molten Man. No, very much. none of those things are good. No, Molten Man's not great. Yeah. No. Liz Allen's brother. Right. Yeah, nah, not good. It's better, is he better than Cardiac? Yeah, imagine being Liz Allen. Yeah. Imagine being in that family. I know, I know. Come on. Is he better than Cardiac? Uh, what do you like? A better character? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I personally like Molten Man better than Cardiac, but yeah. Cardiac's still, you know. I think we could do an entire Cardiac's bad. Cardiac Cardiac's pretty bad. I think we could do a an entire podcast series on like B tier Spider Man villains because there's a lot. I have to say, friend of the show Zach Rudd, yeah. whose birthday it is today. Hey, happy, happy birthday, birthday Zach. Zach! This is airing a week, a few weeks later, but happy birthday! Yes, he listened to us a few weeks ago. We had an episode that was very heavy on the Spider Man. I think oh, it was our yes. episode, I Am the Night. We have to we have to thank Larry Larry Brenner again for giving <laughs> us that jumping off point. Larry, who right. who actually went out of his way to also share the episode on Facebook. So Larry, thank you so much for that. Even Thanks though share, even Larry. though we we used part of our podcast to continue a discussion slash argument that we had with you on your Facebook We're wall. only encouraging him. Oh um, I, I, I'm excited to have Larry on it talk about it for real in person. We're gonna have we're gonna have Larry's, come to blows. Um No no we're, we'll be Zach like had Larry. said that he actually he said this with love. He was like, I I <laughs> he didn't say anything about the whole rest of the episode, but he was like I love the Spider-Man stuff on your episode. Would you consider doing a Spider-Man podcast? I basically told him that wasn't in the plan, but I could see it happening. I mean, it, it ha- I don't think I would want to do an episode-by-episode episode cover of Spider-Man stuff. No, I stuff. would not. I would just want to do like a Spider-Man podcast that tackles a story every episode or a character or stuff like that. Like yeah. I don't know how you would do it. We would have to we'd have to workshop that. Know. We could workshop I it. I do like Spider-Man. But thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. And thank you, Larry, as well, for being an awesome sport and uh, giving us something to talk about. And uh, also a really just great he has a great grasp on the characters on Batman the animated series, so we have to give it him is. that credit. Um Bat so, computer. So now that he's in his Oscar form, he, he goes back to sleep. We go to the back computer. We see Batman working with some kind of program to analyze Clayface's remains. Alfred remarks that Clayface is back, but Batman says, not for long. Seems like Clayface is losing his integrity. Alfred then makes a I joke. I wasn't aware he had any in the first place. Which I love. Which <laughs> I love. And then Batman, who is just the worst, um, and he says this condescendingly to Alfred, like, 
guys, Batman just needs to be cooler to Alfred. Like, on the whole. He needs to be cooler to all his friends. Yes, he treats Alfred, his friends Jim like garbage. Gordon, Robin, everybody. Yeah, and, and he responds going, I'm speaking in a, in a physiological sense, Alfred, to which Alfred is like, it was a joke, dude. Batman, you fucking nerd. Yeah, stupid nerd. Um, he's saying that Clayface is essentially falling apart. Uh, Alfred then pours Batman some tea, which Batman also rejects. <laughs> and then Clayface is coming. Uh, it, he says that Clayface is committing robberies to pay for the medical help that he's using to help keep himself together. Batman questions why this woman is helping him, to which Alfred responds, perhaps she likes mud baths. It's such a dirty line. It is, dude. It is. Well, first of all, like, listen, do we want to go too far into this? Why not? Why not? So first of all, I, I'm saying, oh, Alfie, if you only knew. Uh, second of all, first of all, mud baths in general are kind of like... Do we think this woman sits in him and that's how they fuck? I don't know. I was I was trying to wrap my head around that. It's possible. It's very possible. You think she can warm him up too, like a warm mud bath? She, she can make him into an Oscar man. Yeah. She can do anything. He looks so stupid. I am. I, he almost looks like a robot too. It's bad. That's really bad. It's stupid. It's a bad look. It's, it's a, a bad, bad look. look. All right. We cut to a TV where we see an old movie playing on the screen. Well, I guess it's an old movie. I don't really know. This Gotham it's takes place. It's in black place. and white. Yeah, it's, it's acted in the old style. Yes. Uh, in this movie... Uh, we see a man whose face is bandaged. As a doctor goes to cut the bandages away, the doctor says the surgery was a success, and then she mistakenly calls him, the senator, as we know, she calls him by his first name, Eric, mm. which she then backs away like she's overstepped which the boundary. Which means they're, they're having an affair. There's something going on yeah. in the hospital with his bandages on. Eric! Oh, 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 the surgery is great, Eric. Um, we then see that it's a man. It's Matt Hagen is playing Eric, the senator, or Senator Eric. Another woman then runs up to him saying that they need to get married right away as the doctor who cut the bandages off exits. Yeah, uh, Dr. Dr. Susan is just yes, cr cry Susan. crying out in the hallway. She loves him. She's so in love with him. Eric is my favorite. She moves out into the hallway crying. And then uh, we cut to Stella who's uh, having a good old-fashioned ice cream and girl cry. Uh, she's not eating ice cream, but I know this, this mode well. Um, and he says the big line on the screen. He does. He says the big line... On the screen, um, I think we see that Stella is suffering from some Florence Nightingale syndrome That's as right. well. The line, you cured more than my body, you cured my heart. Is what he says to Susan in the hallway after he's clearly rejected the woman who wants to be his wife. Right. The two embrace and we see a happily ever after kind of ending. We cut back to Stella crying. We then see golden boy Clayface enter the room and he says, turn it off! While Stella is still sobbing at the movie, Clayface does a rational thing and destroys the TV by punching his clay through it. He does do that in Feet of Clay as yes, well. Yes, he does. In fairness, that's just what he does to yes. televisions. Um, he responds that that's not him anymore. Stella, who is, you know, watching a movie, apologizes to him. Right. Which is like well, awful. Yeah, she's yeah. clearly got some self-esteem issues. She's got some issues going on. Clayface then apologizes, saying he doesn't like being trapped in the suit and being filled with all these chemicals. Uh, he then quotes his own movie like a real... It's cringy. It's cringy, and it's, it's also like not very well acted. No. I'm like, you don't like this girl at all. You're no, just using her to get back to being human. Exactly, exactly. Stella then says she has something to show him. We see a piece of clay, Clayface laying on a lab tray squirming. She tries to poke it with some tweezers, but it moves away. Stella then goes to a case marked Experimental, experimental MP40. She takes out a small piece of this whatever it is, with tweezers and puts it directly into the mud and we see the mud harden and smooth out into a smooth round form. Clayface asks how? And she explains that MP40 is an exper experimental mutagenic adaptogen. Sure. She thinks it can restore Matt Hagen to what he previously looked like and increase his powers. Right. He asks where he can get it, and she says that's the problem. It's in Wayne Biomedical Lab. So this kind of gives us the confirmation that this is what Batman would have used on him. Right. He could have gotten this for free. If he yeah, just Batman would have just help. helped him. <laughs> Ugh. Clayface then says that he's going to get it, and Stella warns him of the dangers of being out of the suit. But Play Clayface got to do what Clayface got to do, and what he does is Clayface stuff. That's right. Well said. And he um, he just leaves. He just goes out. He goes, all right, I'm going to Wayne Biomedical. We're at Wayne Biomedical. I guess Bruce Wayne has an office here as well. Mm -hmm. He's on the phone. He's talking with Alfred, who's looking through some old magazines and press articles about Matt Hagen, looking for some ex-lover. 
Uh, I can't find anything. Then we cut to the labs. We see a scientist walk up to some glass doors and then Clayface, uh, he kind of does Clayface stuff to he get like through the door. He pours himself through the glass yeah. doors, like through the crack. It's probably gross. It's gross. Um, there's a scientist at a computer that he appears behind and then he turns like full Clayface. He grabs her, asking her where the MP40 is and she points it out. Clayface walks with her towards the MP40. He drops her uh, to the ground and takes it from this case as she scrambles and hits the alarm. The alarm goes off and Bruce Wayne immediately reacts. Good thing Batman was there. We see the woman scientist now running away. Troll in the dungeon! It's very troll in the dungeon. (laughs) She rolls away screaming, there's a monster in the lab! Same thing. And the guards are like, all right, and let her pass. Outside we see that the scientist woman was actually Clayface. So oh, shit. He did the thing again. Good job, Clayface. Yes. He removes the canister MP40 from her pocket, um, but she starts to melt as she runs off. Yeah. Batman's now in pursuit. She enters the subway, and so does Batman. And it's so gross. It's so disgusting. As she's like melting as she's walking away. Um, as she gets down to the subway, we see her run onto the train, and we, we have a moment here that we don't get. A moment that we would see in the movie Spider-Man 3 when Spider-Man pushes Sandman's face into a train, mm. which I kind of like. I did too. And uh, it's one of the good things about that movie. Very few good things. The yes. memes. Yes. The memes outlive that film. The memes, at, at, at least the memes. At least the memes. Well, Raimi memes is its own thing. It is. A, that's a whole. It's a whole. It's, a whole, it's own culture. Yeah. You, know, I'm some, somewhat, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Sure. Yep. Inside the train, we see Clayface looking out the window as he continues to be exhausted. We hear a little girl on the train pointing out, ew, she's got mud all over her. This is such a good little horror movie scene, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. This little scene on the subway train is my favorite scene in the episode. It's a great scene. Yeah. And then Clayface continues to lose his shape as the woman, and then we hear the little girl say, ew, mommy, she's melting. And then we see Clayface turn more into like the Mudman form. As the entire train reacts in horror and disgust, what is that? What's that smell? It smells horrible. I didn't realize Clayface smelt bad, but I guess he does. It makes sense to me. Probably smells like shit, like he's rotting. Um, Yeah, definitely. I felt bad for him in the scene. Oh, me too. I was like, because he's really trying hard not to be noticed, and he just keeps melting, and then he becomes monstrous, and there's a smell, and it's just like, it's so... It's so embarrassing. It speaks to the shame associated with disfigurement, with deformity with feeling like a monster. Yeah. It's a great scene. It's actually like this scene yeah. is like head and shoulders above the rest of the episode. Absolutely. And it also gives you more just the human story of Clayface. Yeah. And what he's dealing with, you know, and why he kind of, I can understand why he embraces the villainy too, because it's right. a point where he's like, you know what, I'm going to be this monster, so I might as well have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. And what we get it a little bit with some other characters through the series, but Clayface definitely more than anyone else exemplifies like this capacity for body horror moments. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. really good stuff. Again, we do that with other characters, but Clayface the most. Yeah. So the train continues to go through Gotham as Clayface corners Batman in the train. I've got you cold, uh, Clayface says to Batman, but Batman goes other way around, Hagen, and he pulls out... Mm-hmm. Um, some sort of freeze spray, which freezes Hagen in place to the point where he has like icicles and frost forming up on his right. body and he's frozen solid. And then my gears started turning if there was like some kind of an old Batman game or was like a Mega Man style game where you have to get Mr. Freeze's gun to fight yeah. Clayface. Yeah, that'd be sick. That would be the order. I'd play that. I'd Actually, play that. Batman, a Batman video game that operates like Mega Man would be very good. That yeah, would be a would really be. good way to do it because then you can get powers to right. beat the other villains. And this is to take nothing away from the Arkham games, which are awesome. I'm awesome. just saying, like, just give me like a, give me like a 16-bit side scroller. Yeah, That'd Batman be style would be, be awesome. Yeah, it'd be very, very good. I'd play the heck out of that. Me too. Actually, it would be even better if they kind of took the Arkham thing and gave us like a Metroid approach where like you would get items and stuff that would unlock paths and stuff. It'd be cool. Very cool. Oh, with each like themed level to so, each villain. So yeah, or or it's just the whole map of Gotham, mm. and you know it's a side scroll. It's the whole map of Gotham, and like you'll be in one section of Gotham, but you can't get past something because you don't have oh the free spray the yet, is. and then yeah, you have yeah. to beat Mister Freeze to get it and stuff like that. Like That's it. how Metroid games work. I like it. Um, and the first Arkham Asylum game is a Metroid game, but it's three D. Um, mm. So then uh, he escapes. Hagen escapes. By crashing himself through the window and falling out into the back of a truck. Uh, Batman looks out the window as the truck drives off. Clayface reforms in the truck with the MP40 and he does like a, another big, good Clayface laugh as they drive off. 
We cut back to the Batcave. Alfred doesn't see any doctors among the women that Hagen has dated, claiming that the role of a less intellectual class, meaning they were they're all stupid. actors and prostitutes. Yes, they're all not very. Bright. Same thing. Yes. Oh, hey, <laughs> you know. Listen. Bat- Batman then claims that they're missing something. Alfred just offhandedly brings up the movies he was in. Um, and he brings up the movie that Stella was watching, Dark Interlude, where his character falls in love with the doctor. And then Batman runs off, figuring it out. Alfred asks if there's going to be an explanation, and <laughs> right, Batman goes... explains nothing. He goes, no time. Yeah. And Alfred goes... Fucking guy. All right. This guy's your dad. Yeah, come on. This is like one of your three dads. Like, at least tell him something. Yeah. You know? We, we cut back to Stella's lab. Yeah, now we're we're kind of like in a race to the final scene. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting yeah. to the big big showdown. So many of the episodes end like this where it's just like little cut, little cut, little cut, little cut, and then the big, big, the big, the big scene. The big set piece. Yeah. This is the big set piece. Yeah. Scene. yeah. We get to Stellar's lab. She's using the MP40 to uh, to fuel Clayface <laughs> back into his stupid form. <laughs> I read that in your notes. Yeah. <laughs> into the stupid form. Stupid form. It's working. Clayface says as he begins to glow red and turn back in the Matt yeah. Hagen for like a second. That's actually like one thing I hate about this episode is that it's, it seems like it would have worked yeah. if Batman had not pulled the plug. So I love that. Clayface glows red for a second and he turns back into to, to Matt Hagen and then the process is, in, is, is just, just stopped by Batman. Right. Because Batman's just a supreme dick. Like I'm not sure why he stopped the process. Like... If this is what you wanted to do for Clayface, yeah. why don't you just let it happen? I think an argument can be made that he didn't want Clayface to transform because apparently it's not just going to turn him into Matt Hagen. It's also going to, he's going to keep his Clayface powers. Yeah, which is terrifying. So I think Batman wanted to develop it in some way where it's just like, I'll make you human again, but you're not going to be Clayface anymore. Yeah. Um, that's my assumption. Because yeah. otherwise this scene reads as just like, you belong in prison more than you deserve to be human, which I don't like no, uh, if that's the take. No, no, I just also think it's funny that Batman's just the worst. In this scene, he's the worst. I, I like Batman. I, I love Batman, obviously, but obviously. like Batman is the worst a lot. Yes. He's the, scene, worst he's the worst a lot. Worst, yes. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, come on, dude, just leave him alone. Right. Hagen, you know, he remarks that he was so close. And then he asks Batman how they found him. And Batman says that he had a medical consultant on his old films. And he found that Dr. Bates' name in an old film log and that Bates had sold a motel. Nice. Very good. To uh, get the money for this lab. Stella, Dr. Bates, is... I, I, it's just a funny thing that they just named her Stella Bates. I just find well, it very j- funny. J- because... She, so he could do the big moment. Yeah. So he could do... Stella! Stella! She dives at Batman, and then Clayface hops off the table, does his best Brando. Stella! Stella! And then he, Clayface is out of his containment suit. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, flexes out. Yeah, he, like, busts out of yeah, it. Yeah, he, like, busts out of that. Like how Goku breaks off his casts in uh, Dragon Ball Z. That's right. Um, when he gets the Senzu bean. <laughs> in the hospital. Thank you. Yeah, no no problem. I just figured we'd give, the, give you that little, uh, little uh, window, yeah. window into my childhood and my adulthood because I still watch Dragon Ball Z on the regular. Um, Batman goes to throw a battering at Clayface, but Clayface swats it away, breaking the window. Uh, we notice that the storm outside is raging on as Clayface shoots a muddy tendril at Batman and then begins to absorb him and put him into his mud mix. Terrifying. Really scary Terrifying. Stuff. That's such a Disgusting. nasty thing to be able to do. He's fucking suffocating Especially him. Especially because he smells bad. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Gross. Horrible. And that's gross. like such a grotesque thing like for uh, this show. And Stella's not cool with this. She asks him to stop. Yeah, she doesn't like this. But uh, Clayface says it's the only way to do this. Uh, do you want Matt Hagen or this? And he's you know referring to himself in the monster form. This moment where he says he can feel Batman's heart start oh. slowing is so fucking nasty. Yeah, like she asks, like he tries to dig out. Batman yeah. tries to dig out, and then Clayface like shoots himself inward into in, into himself, creating like a void to bury Batman further yeah. in. And she's like, "Is he? Is he?" He's like, "Hold on." He's uh, slowly dying. I can hear his heart re- heartbeat slowing down, which mm-hmm. is uh, really awful. Very scary. And then Batman just is like, I'm done with this. And he shoots a grappling grappling hook through his head, which I thought was kind of cool. And this only works because of Clayface. Like, you need a, a villain to do stuff like this. You need the villain to be Clayface. Because Batman can be, like, horrifically violent to Clayface. But in the end, he's just a, he's a mountain of mud. He really doesn't take damage. Yeah. You know? Batman hops on top of the panini press 
Uh, and Clayface <laughs> destroys it uh, while he's trying to get Batman. Clayface charges and lunges at Batman, and he kind of shoves him out of the door into the rain. Batman approaches Clayface, who hits him with a clay tentacle. Uh, and Batman is knocked down, and Clayface turns his hand into a clay whip. And But all this stuff is drippy. Oh, it's all like, drippy. Like, none of these forms are well, solid. Now, now he's also in the rain. Well, yeah, that's the thing. He's gone out into the rain. Yeah, he's gone out into the rain, and Stella's like, you gotta come in, you're absorbing the rain. And Clayface does not listen to her, and she runs after him. Clayface then dives at Batman, he grabs him. And the cliff below them gives way. Gotta stop putting these villain hideouts on cliffs. Yeah, man. If this was on the ground, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Nice suburban street. Yep. Totally fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. Batman throws one of his grappling batarangs to hang on to the to the rock face. And then Clayface grabs Batman by the leg. Batman tells him to hang on, hang on. And Clayface says, it's too late. Curtain's going down. And then Clayface slips off of Batman's leg and plummets down into the, the sea below. We get such a good Conroy, like, throaty, Hagen! It's so good. It's, it's so a, good. It's Hagen! He falls into the sea and turns into, like, mush. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he dies. Yeah. It's I actually mean, shocking to me that this is not the last Clayface episode. To the point where they actually almost show, like, the body start to come back up to the surface, but then it dissipates into, yeah. like, mud sand. Yeah, so, listen, guys, obvious spoiler, this is not the last Clayface nope. episode. It's actually just the last Clayface episode of this season. Mm-hmm. He's back in, I think, season two. Yeah. Um, but it's it seems like it could be the... It could be the final curtain for yeah, Clayface. Yeah, it does seem like he dies, which is not something we see a lot of in the show. We've had the Joker. They hinted at the Joker maybe dying in an episode before, which clearly he did not. Laughing Fish, yeah. Laughing Fish. Uh, here's the thing, and this is from comics too. If you have a death in water, yeah, uh, which I think goes all the way back to like Holmes and Moriarty, if you have a death in water, it's very like su- suspect. Like yeah. you probably didn't die. Yeah, most likely. Even uh, at the end of Spider-Man 2, which we thought killed Otto Octavius... It did, but also he died in water, so it's like, yeah. Batman then goes up to the cliff, and he goes to console Stella, who's sobbing. And then we see them walk away from the cliff, and as we hear her continue to cry, we're at the end of the episode. A cheerful children's show ending. Yeah, definitely a nice, depressing ending to this episode. Um, Mike, your closing thoughts on Mudslide. Ultimately, I think this episode is good. I just don't think it's as good as Feet of Clay. It's not as good as Feet of Clay. Um, It's not a bad episode. Um, I just, you know... I was maybe looking for a little bit more time with the character. Uh, I think Clayface is really interesting in the cartoon format. I think he, yeah. he does some really cool stuff. And uh, I think he's a character that kind of merits a little bit more, a little bit more intrigue, a little bit more detective work and stuff like that. But eh, we got we got what we could in 22 minutes. I know. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I like the episode more than you do, but I, I agree. Like It's just it's hard for me to determine like what I would change. I would make it a little bit more clear how Batman would help Clayface as opposed to what Clayface is already trying to do himself yeah, so Batman yeah. doesn't come across as like a villain when he stops yeah. the process at the end yeah. of the episode. But that's ultimately not the episode's problem. The episode's yeah. problem is like the intrigue is derived from Matt Hagen's own self-loathing, which he doesn't really get to reflect on. We just see it taking a stress on his physical body and less on his mind. I guess I would want more with the character. But yeah. that's a very adult thing to want. Yeah. And that's not really suitable to a children's show necessarily. That yeah. said, they've done it in other episodes. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Kind of plays the same notes as Feet of Clay. Not as good as Feet of Clay. Yeah, but very good. Uh, but still a good episode for me. It's probably high mid. High middle of the pack. I will also do high mid. High mid. High mid. High mid. Um, I don't um, think it's quite of the bottom of the top third there. No. I, I Also, at the same time, too, it's like... This might be somewhere in the 30s, 40s. Yeah, me. probably. Yeah. Um, Feet of Clay is so good. Well, Feet of Clay is a top 10. Yeah. Feet of Clay is yeah. so good that, you know, even though this episode is really good, it's hard to live up to the to the first one. You know what kind of takes it away from Mudslide too is like he really seems to die at the end of Feet of Clay as well. Yeah. That's kind of like oh we're just doing that again we're yeah. gonna do this every time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know uh, once again this episode was kind of made out of force of necessity because the fans asked for it. Right. They wanted a Clayface episode so right. they made one. And I know the end of Feet of Clay it's a false death and he kind of just plays a death scene whereas this one seems to be a real one but yeah, you can only do that so many times before we're kind of like, uh, okay, we know Clayface is coming yeah. back, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a solid episode. Um, I just think that Clayface's first stuff is, is a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, once again, we have another solid episode of this show. This show doesn't really disappoint ever. And uh, next time, 
<laughs> Paging the Crime Doctor. Which is a terrible title for an episode. <laughs> and ultimately, an episode that, to me, is uh, not that interesting. Lackluster would be the word, but we'll have a good time covering oh, it. Oh, we're going to have some fun because the name of the episode is Paging the Crime Paging Doctor. Paging the Crime Doctor. Yeah. Did someone call for the Doctor of Crime? <laughs> That's Brian me. here. Me, the Crime Doctor. Hey, I'm the Crime Doctor. Rupert Thorne is back for the 30th time. Yes, Rupert Thorne, most popular series villain, yes, Rupert Thorne. Yes, yes, Rupert Thorne. Take a, that, Joker. A famous character from Batman, the Batman mythos. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. This was the batman cast For Jordan Hugh, I'm Mike Stab. Thank you, and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Stella! And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. If you want to support this show, you can find us on the podcatcher of your choosing. Hit us with a review. Give us one of those five-star reviews. Leave a comment. Or you can find us on social media at Batman Tasticast. You can reach out to Jordan and I because we love to hear from you all. And that makes the show that much better. We'll see you next time. Thanks again. <laughs>